0: <laughs> it's a shame. <laughs> Welcome to extended clip after hours. You know who we are. Uh, Wild things is the topic today. A film by John McNaughton from 1998, starring our favorite Matt Dillon. Uh, Malcolm, why did you why did you pick this one? You know what? I just wanted to have a fun
1: time. You know what I mean? I felt like this was going to be a fun movie. You know, if this Brooks Brothers series that everyone's talking about coming up, a lot of people are talking about this, and um, you know. Those movies don't exactly ooze sex appeal, and you know, I feel like this is this movie's a good like end of a era of like these '90s erotic thrillers, and it really goes off with a bang. And uh, I know we liked Dylan, and there's something about Mary, um, big fan favorite, and he's back here, you know, making making funny faces. Yeah,
0: Mad Dylan is back in some Hawaiian shirts in a. Uh, Floridian uh <laughs> locale yeah uh, being yeah. a sleaze bag i mean what it's the same year as something about mary in 1998 he was really on a roll uh JT how did you take to this one
2: um i really dug it i mean this was a movie i feel like i've i wanted to see since i was like a kid because mm-hmm. i would I would confuse the poster of Wild Things or with Cruel Intentions. Ooh. I definitely because they're both like sexy both great, yeah. school movies, mm-hmm. and I would confuse the two a lot.
0: Um. So what is this movie all about? Uh, Matt Dillon plays a high school guidance counselor, and uh, you know there are some students and uh 18 year old students yes and there are some police officers one being the producer of the film kevin bacon uh, <laughs> as the lead detective kind of uh and also you have the the rich family what what are their names the van horns or something like yeah. that yeah uh, who kind of control it, kind of like in our main feed episode in the, the Western, how you have this fat cat trying to control this whole city. You know, you have this uh, small, uh, mainly upper middle class, I guess, uh, Florida suburb that this one rich family uh, pretty much has a stranglehold on from, you know, uh, everything leading up to law enforcement.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um the opening like 20 minutes of the movie, you kind of see the milieu, you see the um location specific things, you know, Matt Dillon riding around, you know, in a swamp on, you know, what what is the the, the fan boat? Fan boat, yeah. Dude. Big fan boat. So great. He's so. got
0: the fan boat swag down. Like it's it's mm-hmm. kind of a incredible scene of just <laughs> kind of in between uh, the the plot point kind of set up. Uh, or the plot points of the setup rather you just kind of get this little two minute scene of uh Dylan riding around the swamp in his fan boat just chilling and it's pretty spectacular
1: this this movie really does make uh the most of its location and it's like very dedicated to you know shooting scenes in like swamps and bogs and just uh being very uh loyal to where it's from yeah and um, I mean I think the first 20 minutes are kind of have like this um kind of a cheeky feel to it like it's every there's like some sexy stuff around every corner, you know just cheerleaders performing and stuff like that and mm-hmm. like uh it seems like dylan's you know just the man a man everyone respects he's he's uh you know helping people out on you know getting them on the boat team and stuff like that and uh you know of course um what happens is you know he gets a rape accusation thrown out mm-hmm. at him from the, you know, Denise Richards, who's the daughter of the rich family, the Van Horns or whatever their name. We're not <laughs> going to look over that. now. But like, uh, he's gonna go Van, Van Horns. I'm going to go with Van Horns. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it, it kind of just, it, it does a complete uh, flip to where he's disgraced. And I think those 20 minutes where he's kind of the man are really funny. You get a lot of fun needle drops like... a. Uh, mm-hmm. A semi-charmed type of life, which I feel so regenerated. I feel so yeah, um, inspired every ano- time I hear that on screen.
0: Another link to the cinema of 1998 is semi-charmed life, also <laughs> featured in uh, Norm Macdonald's Dirty Work of the same year.
1: Yeah, I feel like like located around the same point in in the movie too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's
0: like the after the first exposition scene, kind of. Yeah. You get semi-charmed life uh, as the character is pulling up to their residency. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And Dylan, the way Dylan dresses too, he has like those round spectacles and like the button up shirt which is like that uniform of like the falsely accused um, erotic (laughs) thriller man of the 90s which I feel like I I feel like that's what's funny about this movie it's working within the frameworks of like erotic thrillers of the past like 15 years Mm -hmm. and it's kind of being a little bit like glib and funny and cynical about them
2: Yeah, no, I mean, that, like, I don't know, it gets its hooks into you real early on with that sort of, like, playful tone and the light sort of sexiness, the, like, elite, like, lifestyle It's very lavish, and then, like, I was surprised right away, I was expecting it to be more sleazy from the top, but it's all, like, boiling, uh, like, over and you can feel the tension underneath
0: Mm -hmm. i feel like the first 40 minutes or so are sleazy in a way that also has kind of a camp quality because as the viewer you're not aware that you're being played just like the entire town is being played, you know. Uh, Around the midway point, it's revealed that all is not what it seems. And, you know, everything was a set. It's like a body double in the sense that, like, within the first 45 minutes or so, you kind of have an open and shut crime story you know uh but of course there's always one detective who's a little too curious and some loose ends (laughs) that aren't wrapped up and uh you know the the detective is also of course always going to be a pervert as kevin bacon has an uh an extended scene of him with a handy cam in the bushes watching the two young girls fondle each other and make out in the pool and it's just like Dude, you're the biggest sleaze bag <laughs> of anyone. Uh, but I, you know, as I think Felipe Furtado said in his letterbox log, you know, every frame is so dedicated to the maximum sleaze potential in this. And you know, even in the first twenty minutes, I think the uh, the kind of goofiness of it kind of makes up for how raunchy everything else to come is. You know, like that uh, opening. Uh, scene where Matt Dillon is leading a lecture about sex crimes and you know he writes sex on the chalkboard and the crowd goes crazy and then he writes crimes and you know you get some booze and you get one guy shout it wasn't me man i'm innocent uh, uh what a scene
2: and just like in general it's like implied that Matt Dillon is just laying pipe all over town as yeah. well and that's great
1: no, I mean, that's what that's what's funny about the first scene where Kevin Bacon and his partner exit their seminar that they give to the kids. Kevin Bacon's already suspicious of this guy. He's like, he's a little too cool, you know, <laughs> a little too close to the students, you yeah. know. And Kevin Bacon turns out to be exactly right because he is one of those people. You yeah. know what I mean? Kind of just a, um, you know, sleazy like Matt Dillon. And I feel like both the Times video is used. One with the iconic uh, pool makeout scene and Kevin mm. Bacon, you know. We're with Kevin Bacon behind the bushes, getting off on it, you know, recording a little too long. But uh, I feel like the rape, the rape, uh, uh, what is it called, deposition or whatever? or
0: Oh, uh, when she's testifying?
1: She's testifying in front of the camera, too. The way they watch that, they almost watch that with like a, not a pleasure, but like a sensationalism, too, that really yeah. melds well with like the use of the video camera. Yeah. And it's a, yeah, I feel like this movie's very in control of its tone, like the you know throughout the movie in a way that's like um
0: Oh so yeah. sorry I was confused for a second. You were talking about at the police station which yeah. is giving her statement. I was yeah. uh, I was thinking it uh, at the hearing as well when Murray uh we didn't say Bill Murray. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no longer in epic mode. Uh, Bill Murray playing <laughs> a, law, uh, a total sleazebag bag lawyer to fit Matt Dillon's partnership and uh you know fakes a uh, neck injury where he's wearing a brace for half of the movie around his neck but while he's grilling uh one of the teen girls and you know the the facade isn't really exposed, but everyone thinks it is when she admits that you know uh, Matt Dillon didn't rape her. All of this being just pure lies under oath that they planned on doing. You know the the morality of this film it's it's not a black and white thing. It's an all bad thing. You know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess you the you know you end up rooting maybe just for the the girls the under the underprivileged girl who lives in uh, yeah a shack by a by a bar <laughs> who. Uh,
2: I guess ends up running away with with the sack.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: But I really like the change in feel that happens uh with that reveal that it's like Dylan and the girls are in it together and it mm-hmm. sets up like just the general like twisty nature because I love that it's like um the 90s like erotic thriller but also then kind of becomes like i don't know sort of like an old pulpy noir film
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean the neo noir elements are definitely like very much there and i think that um hold on excuse me i think that after it's revealed uh that all of this you know sensational media coverage and all of these uh, you know, crazy, uh, you know, traumatic testimonials were all a charade, and you know, the curtain is pulled back. From that point, I feel like with every single scene, uh, It's not even like the narrative advances. It's just you're stepping one step back with every scene and learning more about what was to come. And it's like it's a twist on the noir in that sense where it's not like front loaded with exposition. You just get this contained little story that these three characters and then you find out at the end also Kevin Bacon Uh, all put on for everyone and then the second half of the film is just taking a step back and learning more exposition pretty much Mm -hmm. Uh, to the extent that the post credit (laughs) sequence even is just Mm -hmm. further exposition that seems like it would have been slid in in the first or second act you know yeah Uh, and to make up for that I guess detachment Is the fact that the film just keeps getting sleazier and sleazier and more violent and more sexual as it goes on. And uh, to the point where it's like, then it's, you think all the women are dead and you just have Matt Dillon and a naked Kevin Bacon. (laughs) 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 You're like, is this what's going to happen now? (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
1: Yeah, no, you know what you're talking about, how like you take a step back, which you've each plot point in this movie and you learn more exposition. And like, even at the end with the end credits, it's all like, you know, like five to six scenes of like brief, uh, exposition. But like the, a lot of those scenes are like doing like a kind of like an ironic trick kind of commenting on the scenes yeah. before them. Like, uh, most notably in the false rape accusations, the girls drafted, they both said, uh, Dylan said, you know, no little girl could ever make me come. Mm-hmm. And then it's revealed in, you know, the exposition scene towards the end that, um, Dylan actually needs that to be said to him in order for you know him to get off, mm-hmm. which is you that's know, that's funny I guess. I guess. <laughs> um, uh, true. I, I, I brought it, I, Yeah, funny. I think the funny sense sexy. of humor of this yeah. film.
0: I think when it's being like bitter and kind of ironic, mm. it's funny. And then when it's trying to actually do jokes, it's not that funny. Kinda. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to me. think
1: when it does jokes. I guess I feel it's feel like mostly. That's the only. Joke, yeah, I was going to really. say <laughs> mostly in the exposition scenes. <laughs> yeah, I feel. Yeah.
0: Uh, but I think that the uh, the sailing component of Matt Dillon—he's a sailor—and you know he tries to make a sailor out of everyone he meets, uh, which is very admirable quality, perhaps. We
1: need more people like that. We need
0: more, we need more true blue seamen out there. <laughs> Uh so that obviously comes back to bite him you know the uh the finale is so nasty out on that boat with each character just getting bludgeoned yeah. <laughs> and left for dead uh it's uh it's really sleazy and beautiful and like the the cinemascope compositions by McNaughton are all very careful and the action is all very fluid and I don't know there's a lot of like little moments in here that are really spectacular like the uh especially in the first half of the film, the dissolves that he uses Mm -hmm. to kind of get you away from that information that you'll only learn later. Uh, like when the event, the alleged rape takes place when, uh, denise richards sends her friend off so she could be alone and then she enters the room and i'm sure this is a big trailer moment i haven't watched the trailer but you know you have that like gauzy uh, lens on her and she's like soaking wet and you know you get just get that shot reverse shot of her and dylan staring at each other and then the dissolve out and it's like if you don't know all the reveals that are to come you're still kind of trying to put together like okay there's like three or four things that could have happened in yeah scene, you know uh, and i feel like the use of dissolves here is really good at kind of keeping the audience out of the no until it's necessary
1: no yeah the movie is like structurally dedicated to like hiding information and i, th- I feel like that like kind of adds to its like noir element and even like kind of the ending with the boat kind of just feels a little bit old-fashioned and mm-hmm. kind of uh um, you know, you get some harpoon shots and just you know people not trusting each other on boats. It just uh makes me think of of older movies. You know, yeah, it
0: does. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Hitchcock's Lifeboat, but I would assume it's you know it's because it's
1: like you know how there used to be more like circus stuff in movies because mm-hmm. more people worked at the circus. It was yeah. like that was you know it was just normal to work at the circus. <laughs> I think it was more normal to sail back in the day. I don't know.
0: I think sailing is way cooler than the circus. I think like a few of those movies are good. Like I like Freaks and I like Charlie Chaplin's The Circus but usually when I'm watching an old time movie and the circus rolls into town I'm like zoning out pretty hard. Damn. Uh, the, the Bergman circus movie is maybe the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Sawdust and Tinsel. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> That's a funny worst
0: movie <laughs> <laughs> like, ever. It's just like
1: Bergman's circus mo- I've never heard of that. I don't know. There's some good old circus. He was the the really sad one about the clown he who. He... Crag. He who gets slapped. He who gets slapped, which is one of the yeah. best. Times ever. <laughs> I,
0: I want to watch that one. I, yeah. I, maybe my circus bias is a little uh, <laughs> ignorant because I do love, as I said, yeah. freaks and the circus. Yeah. Uh, but like, I feel like there's so many old timey movies that I watched early on in Cinephilia mm-hmm. where the circus was just the most boring thing ever.
1: I feel. You, I think it's just like there's so many people working back then, and so like a lot of the good directors from the that time you know we're bound to like touch on the circus in yeah, a way it makes sense yeah you look like you were googling <laughs> I was the just, circus i was just <laughs> lo- I, <laughs> fuck what's a circus uh
2: no i've i've spent some time with the ringling brothers in my day <laughs> um i was just looking up like circus movies because i get like I, it was something I had never really thought of before yeah. how frequently, like, yeah. the, I mean, sh- uh, Strangers on a Train, there's like, it's not really oh, yeah, a circus, okay. it's kind of like a fair.
0: And the, the Ferris wheel finale is also quite great in Yeah. that, yeah. Um, have you seen any other films by this director John McNaughton? Because I think yeah, I, I have no clue about like what this guy's deal is, but he's a very skilled director from uh, as far as this film goes. I mean, Henry, Portrait of a Serial Kill- Killer, I know is a popular film, uh, but other than that and Wild Things, it doesn't seem like anything is that popular, like Mad Dog and Glory. <laughs> I don't know what that is.
2: Uh, I've only seen Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer and I liked it fine enough uh, when I was younger, but i yeah. have absolutely no memory of it this damn. guy seems like a, a man for hire not to insult him but i uh, mean hey that's yeah
0: there's nothing wrong with true that. yeah nothing wrong with that at all
1: i might watch mad dog and glory just because a, a, a premiere david caruso
0: oh, fourth damn. build
2: starring performance
1: oh, that's well.
0: rare that's <laughs> rare right there girls
2: in prison that sounds like a good one
1: true <laughs> that's you know all the all like the mo- like directors from like the 80s
0: and 90s and like
1: 70s like they had to start like doing like porno like rough movies
0: yeah um so to go back to wild things uh, <laughs> i think the film's sense of humor because we did bash like the attempt at humor in mm-hmm. the end creds but i do think it has a good like uh, sly sense of humor about it like when they when they first You know pretend uh, to bludgeon uh, the girl from the wrong side of the tracks as it were Mm -hmm. and uh, Denise Richards says something about like you know my mom would kill me if she knew I had the rover right now and then it's like a hard cut to the next scene or something like that get a good laugh out of that and i think all the yeah. all the high school stuff is funny like the guy that matt Dillon has a kind of relationship with the sailing student <laughs> who he like uh is like an inspirational figure too i found very funny just to kind of watch because he's just a bozo that this other bozo matt Dillon fed inspirational lies to you know when yeah. kevin bacon tells him that no. <laughs> he had like an athletic scholarship and he's never like worked through anything or whatever like that
1: i like i liked uh when you know the one of the first scenes where that kid and Dylan are working on the boat and then Denise Richards comes up to him and like, he just kind of looks detachedly like, damn, I wish that was happening to me. Then <laughs> <says>
0: to... <laughs> that, the tension in that first scene True, and yeah. the, really the first two times that he's with her and like, she tries to be alone with him and he like tries to get someone else to go in the car with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both of those scenes had quite a bit of tension in them. Like, I'm not saying it's like yeah, Stanley Kubrick's Lolita <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> uh, but I felt like, uh, you know, we, all credit where credit is due to all of the actors involved in this film <laughs> is all I'm trying to say. Uh, especially Kevin Bacon. I've never yeah. really liked Kevin Bacon much, but uh, he, the more that his character is revealed to be a scumbag, the more I kind of like him in this performance.
1: No, that character arc is really good, and I like his part. I like his partner too because I think she's kind of like a very she. Uh, she's a very detached character herself, where mm-hmm. she's she's even like making jokes about the whole situation saying like, oh, you know, I think Matt Dillon was pretty attractive just to, you know, piss
2: Kevin Bacon off. Mm-hmm. Oh and like, yeah. And, and they eventually kissed. Yeah. Him. When she, it's like her throwaway joke, like that. She's like, I'd do him."
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's also the first person to doubt the original uh, accusation. And mm-hmm. we should talk a little bit about it because like, obviously it's like a, it's a dicey thing to talk about. It's a problematic mm-hmm. film in that regard. that yeah. The first 45 minutes are about a false rape accusation. Yeah. But I think that, as cynical as it is, I think it rings uh, true in some regards of the satire. Like you hear a line about like the tabloid appeal of the case, you know, took over the whole town, and you know, you get the the sleazy lawyer who wants to take the other side against it, you know, and it's like all parties involved are culpable, and it's like, well, when you're looking at real life situations, (laughs) obviously that is not the way to look at it, but in terms of being a neo noir and being a meta film about how these films are structured and being a you know purposefully like saucy sexy erotic thriller <laughs> to drive people in but all of that sexiness quote unquote is so undercut by mm. the irony of the film and by the uh, cynicism of the storytelling i guess that i think it all just kind of works as this weirdly Contained thing that exists as a product of 1998 and Matt Dillon's swag.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it's you know it does undercut its sexiness, but to its credit, it does give you two pretty hot scenes. Um, I think it this is like I don't know. I we haven't going really
0: into extended clip after hours. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, we, hey,
1: we have chose Wild Things for a reason. There's yeah. there's an oh, yeah. inherent sex appeal to this movie that I feel like it pulls off. It's one of the rare American like erotic thrillers that actually is sexy just because it doesn't star like michael douglas and like (laughs) close you know what i mean it's actually people who are attractive having sex with each other for
0: yourself regarding michael douglas
1: (laughs) (laughs) true i mean he's you know he's old but he seems to get you know get him young so you know that's that's not even (laughs) close to what i was thinking you know no you must be a charming man that's what i'm saying sure Uh, But I Sorry felt- to say that. I, I don't know. It's so disappointing <laughs> to say something like that. <laughs>
2: um, with, like, the, the fake rape accusations, I feel like it definitely, like, works stylistically with being, like, sensationalist and pulpy, and it, like, handles it in, like, a respectful enough way. But I think, like, on a, a broader scale, like, kind of appeals to me for, like, the anti sort of, like, elite like rich vibe yeah. that happens there where it's <laughs> like oh clearly the mcryan family like they can get away with anything cuz they have money oh is that, that the name mcryan wait what was it what did we say
0: van horn van horn <laughs> van, uh, horn. yeah, the I van horns get well, the mcryans on the van horn we gotta yeah. sort this out The doyles yeah nah. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean the stuff
1: of like the false rape accusation it doesn't really like simmer or meditate on that it's just mm-hmm. one part of like one big exactly. uh you think, know conspiracy narrative and that's why it's like just because it's it's not like oh about a man who's false any like any movie that involves false rape claims is usually about a man fa- falsely accused and something like that but it's not i mean he's just as much as a scumbag for like having sex with his 18 year old students and like yeah. planning to go away with them or something like that
0: yeah um matt Dillon. man isn't he this <laughs> <same? laughs> Uh, So Matt Dillon in 1998 was also in There's Something About Mary, which we've talked about. And I think there's a lot of uh, connective tissue between those two films of him being a horny Floridian uh, cheapo scumbag trying to get a leg up on everyone else. And I think There's Something About Mary is probably my favorite film of 1998 and Unfortunately, I mean, as much as I like Wild Things, you know, if I were to give it a rating, I would give it 3.5 fan boats. Uh, <laughs> but it wouldn't quite make my, like, best of 98 list, if that's what we're going to talk about right now, if you guys sure. are
2: interested. Yeah. In I mean, that. hell yeah.
1: I think I'd take, I'd put Belly over Mary. Yeah. Belly's my number two. Yeah. Personally. And then, like, just looking like, Happiness, Out of Sight, New Rose Hotel, and The Hole are probably the, in that, like, first tier of 98 cinema for me
0: it's i mean i i don't want to get into sure. like literally just listing movies but uh, <laughs> uh i think you do i think you do a little I think bit i, think I do um uh, <laughs> But I think there's a lot of connected tissue between a lot of these movies. I mean, my number eight film of 1998 is Dirty Work, uh, the Norm Macdonald film that we mentioned. And I think, I don't know, there's a specific time and place for all of these needle drops and all of these uses of technology. You know, you think about the computers that they're using in not this film. No, wait, what was I thinking of? Oh, uh, of you've gotten mail. <laughs> the computers in you've gotten mail. And, uh, you know, it's like, I'm going to delete that part from the podcast because I have nowhere to go. With this. <laughs> oh, but there interested. were computers in the film. <laughs> You've nail. Uh, 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 People were thinking about computers. <laughs> um, Do you have any thoughts on the cinema of 1998, JT? Um, Yeah, I,
2: I love the 90s. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Got a regular Michael Ian Black over here. <laughs> but no, I, I have some good flicks uh, that I've seen then. Uh, I think probably it would be Thin Red Line. There's something about Mary... Um. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, The Big Lebowski is a classic as well, and another sporting film, uh, He Got Game, by Spike Lee. And uh, Johnny Toes, A Hero Never Dies, one of the Mm -hmm. best movies ever. You know, this is just a year where it's like one through eight are all like the best movies ever, kind of. Mm -hmm. Then you got Bullworth, number nine, (laughs) a friend of the pod, Warren Bullworth, baby.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just watched A Hero Never Dies like two days ago for the first time. That one's insane, right? It is is insane. And uh, I love... I just love uh, the relationship at the beginning where they're just trying to one up each other. Yeah. It's, it just adds like, uh, you know, a lot of comedic appeal to me. But yeah, Toe Toe's great cuz he's like he has such a big filmography and I feel like everyone I'm going to watch, I'm going to take something out of.
0: Yeah. There. That one-upmanship in the beginning of A Hero Never Dies is so funny. They like pull up to the club together and just start ramming their cars into each other. Yeah. <laughs> and then when their girlfriends show up, they bring new cars for them. <laughs> Yeah, like, well, They play this game of like horse with like co- uh, tossing a coin into a glass of wine in the bar and Toe shoots it so dramatically with all these close-ups on the coin spinning through the air and stuff <laughs> like that. It's it's one of my favorite scenes ever. Yeah.
1: yeah I haven't seen any of like Toe's uh, comedies yet, but like I realized he's made a lot and like that movie really shows that like he's very well versed in both action and comedy and like yeah. those jokes you're describing is like premier comedic filmmaking mm-hmm. that like that you know outstretched most american auteurs you oh know? yeah
0: for sure uh i also like that there's a a shootout in a club where like there's all this glass shattering and everything and like that but mm-hmm. there's also a guy in a wheelchair like dual wielding guns <laughs>
1: <laughs> well at the end when he kind of weakened at bernie's his yeah. friends yeah with uh, the wheelchair oh, i thought so was so great so great and that's a great final sequence
0: yeah i think johnny toe is one of the only guys that can pull off the the style of lighting that he does kind of you know like i feel mm-hmm. like we're going to talk about some similar stuff on the main feed in just a few minutes with Choi hark's the blade but i feel like his style of action that uses all these expressive like colored lighting schemes and Mm. uh, like filters and stuff like that are so kind of singular to the 90s hong kong cinema Mm -hmm. and like nothing else even comes close to it (laughs)
1: yeah yeah no yeah because like i was thinking that too like you just see neon lights right and you're like oh yeah 824 but you have to step back (laughs) (laughs) you have to step back and remember history um and like yeah it feels more organic and just because of the milieus those characters like operate in yeah and like you know and i I, he doesn't really overdo it there's there's a there's a certain amount of saturation i feel like he hit the right amount Mm
2: -hmm. you know
0: um let's see what else (laughs) I mean just <laughs> what to, else just <laughs> <to> connect <laughs> well, I mean the, the end of-
2: the end of the 90s is there anything we could think of overall about the 90s as well, a decade here that, coming that to a close? in terms of end of
0: history stuff <laughs> yeah. I, I hate to be a guy saying uh, you know uh, in, in Francis Fukuyama's <laughs> the end of history he <laughs> proposes that you know uh, history has finished by the uh, and neoliberalism has won but yeah, uh, it, and in terms of that usually the argument that people spin out of that in terms of film is uh, these kind of late 90s films that are so much about your mind palace in America mm-hmm. you know you have your American beauties and fight clubs and stuff like this where you have the complacency of neoliberal suburban life so the drama is inside your head and even something like something about Mary kind of fits into that where it's like these are all these guys on these epic romantic voyages for really no reason <laughs> like uh, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know in terms of the end of the 90s uh, wh- wh- what do you want me to say that all these films are about 11 like yeah, right. They knew it
1: that it was happening beforehand And they expressed it in film Yeah all, the, all of all these the, films were yeah. Released that, that
0: should be the, the <laughs> End of every podcast we do The hypernormalization. all of these Films were released before <laughs> September 11, 2011 One, I mean uh, in terms of people who are probably huge fans of 9-11, Brian De Palma's Snake Eyes is also a great film mm-hmm. from that year. And uh, in terms of technology, I did mention the computers of You've Got Mail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the golden uh, cell phone of Snake Eyes is also a classic in that regard. Um, so I think that's pretty much going to wrap up our after hours. As we said, next week we're going to be doing The Brooks Brothers. And next month, really. but Next week we start at James L. Brooks, Albert Brooks, you know what that means for the Patreon? We're going to be talking about some stuff that isn't white American middle brow romantic comedies. We're <laughs>
1: thinking like white low brow. Uh, <laughs> uh, no. no. No, we're going to we do joke. another,
0: I'm going to do another Hong Kong film, at least for one Hell Patreon yeah. pick. Uh, the, the, to uh, pull back the curtain a little bit, we talked a while back, or at least I said a while back <laughs> that the things I wanted to add to the podcast more were classic Hollywood and like uh, Hong Kong cinema. Yeah. So,
1: That's true. We're trying to do a little bit of both. We don't really ruminate on the classics as much as we should.
0: I mean, I'm watching them. I'm talking about them in the middle segment. (laughs) You know?
1: True, true, but we should kneel at the the you know the altar to him. We should dedicate some some real spots.
0: Also, to to get a little Jerry Lewis telethon, you know, uh, pick up the phones, call your friends, tell them to donate to the Patreon. <laughs> yeah. it, we we've had a bit of a decline in patrons in the last couple of weeks, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I, it's fine. I expected yeah. it. You know, people are gonna get in, they're gonna get the goods, they're gonna get out. I've pulled that scheme on many podcasts. Mm-hmm. Usually I do that to podcasts who are making a lot of money, yeah. not to new podcasts, <laughs> but that's fine. Um, but I look the DVD raffle. I know it's not that enticing, but you might get like a Criterion <laughs> Blu-ray. That's all I'm going to say. That's true. So true. once we hit 150 bucks, I'm going to give away, let's say I'm going to give away four of my DVDs or Blu-rays and, uh, as if this were an expansion draft, I'm gonna keep. <laughs> I'm gonna pick like my best stuff that nobody can have. But other than that, I'm going straight randomizer. Damn! And you can have like f- it could be four of my very best Blu-rays that don't have that much sentimental value to me. So a,
1: I might enter just to get those <laughs> yeah. from Eddie. You know what I mean? <laughs> You could, be, you could be yeah, we, yeah we could
0: subscribe up. for the Patreon. Uh <laughs> box sets excluded. That's all I'm going to say about that. And you could just get uh, a VHS of Barry Lyndon, but you could that get would be you could get a Blu-ray of Barry Lyndon. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, I'm I'll record an audio message of uh me personally thanking you if you're the I don't know if you subscribe if you want that you have to contact me <laughs>
0: and I think it's $300 is the audiobook of Woody Allen's latest apropos of nothing it'll be unauthorized it'll be on a bootleg but I, I look I've already recorded the first two chapters really I, yeah. yeah he did <laughs> he, he shook at me he shook his head yes at me
1: <laughs> that he did as he was saying yes <laughs> this is a huge project we're underwearing but it's gonna take a lot of funds alright so like we do need your help I know People have been asking for this and we want to deliver it to you, but it's going to, we're going to, we're going to need to take like vocal lessons and stuff like that, you know? So yeah. Don't. Um,
0: also, thanks for calling in last week. Um, let us know. I mean, I guess you already let us know that you liked it, so we'll do it again soon. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. That will be fun. Yeah. And also I think you can just call that number anytime and I'll just pick up. True. <laughs> Eddie's re- there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I'll screen it, but you can leave a voicemail and I'll play it on the pod.
1: If you're misguided youth and you're, you're in your life and you're like I don't know where to turn to, you could turn to Eddie. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, all right. Bye Patreon.